Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Chloe, if I haven't met you before. And hello to everyone watching online. Now, has there ever been a time in your life where you've really, really, really wanted something? You might have saved up for years, you might have traveled miles, waited all night. You know, like people who queue outside iPhone stores for iPhones, like that kind of thing I'm thinking of. So maybe have a little chat to the person next to you. Has there been a time where you've like really, really, really wanted something? So have a little chat. Great. Lots of stories. We'll uh, talk about it later. So for me, um, last year, I really, really, really wanted to have guests at my wedding. So Ruth and I, we'd got married literally just before lockdown, couple of witnesses. So we decided a year later to have a big celebration to be able to invite all of you guys and friends and family, and I could finally put on a dress and celebrate getting married. And um, we set the date for June, and rumor had it that by April, they would make weddings well, weddings could have guests. At that point, I think it was like 15 people. So we were all waiting for April, uh, you know, by the TV every day, watching the news, what would our first minister, Mark Drakeford, say? And by April, he put it up to 30. By May, it was still 30. By June, it was still 30. The week before the wedding, it was still 30. I remember looking at my guest list of 150 people, thinking, right, I'm gonna actually have to nail this down to 30 people. Just praying, Lord, I'd really love some more people at my wedding. And and um, there were brides all over the UK experiencing the same thing, the wedding industry. What about us? You know, what about our um, industry and brides having to cancel weddings? And we were praying and praying. And literally two days before the wedding, Mark Drakeford made the announcement, you can have as many people as your venue would hold. And thankfully, I go to Cornerstone Church at Venue 2 and look at the big space we have. And I was able to invite everyone to the wedding. And there we are. And there all you are uh, watching us get married. So that was lovely. And uh, this is just a tiny, tiny, very silly glimpse of the desperation and want from the person in our story today. So as you know, we're currently in the My Story series, where we're looking at people's eyewitness accounts of their encounter with Jesus as recorded in the Gospels. And many people Jesus comes across, they're not named, but some of them are. And New Testament historians have suggested that these people are named because they went on to become followers of Jesus and are known in the early church. And more importantly, they went on to share their story. And that's why their name has been recorded, because it's their story that we're reading, told by them in the life of the early church and at some point recorded by the gospel authors. So today we're going to be looking at the account of blind Bartimaeus. So let's read it together. Mark 10. Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, Tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. So, blind Bartimaeus, what do we know about him? Well, his dad was Timaeus, 
Bar means son of, so Bartimaeus is literally son of Timaeus. And Timaeus means honor, so his name means son of honor, which does seem quite unusual for a beggar. And it doesn't seem like his family are around in the story. He's a beggar, which assumes he's homeless, he's destitute, he's living rough, he can't work, can't earn a living. You know, in those days, there was no social care, no homes for the homeless, no soup kitchens. It's not like the paralyzed man in Luke 5, where, you know, he has his friends and they break open the roof and they let him down the, um, into the house so Jesus can heal him. You know, here it seems like Bartimaeus is all alone. Um, but, you know, his dad is named son of Timaeus, so it could be that his parents were known, but they'd passed away. Or sometimes culturally children were abandoned in those days. We don't know, it's not recorded. But what we do know is Bartimaeus is left destitute as a beggar. And in those days, it really would have been a terrible life. It reminds me of a time that Roos and I were out on the streets with many of you guys doing Mission to Wales. And there were some of us going around um, Swansea City Centre and just having conversations with people about Jesus. And we went up to one young woman and uh, we started chatting to her and she said, oh, no, no, I'm not interested in religion. And she was on crutches. And I said, well, I can see you're on crutches. Is there anything we can pray for you for? And she said, oh, yes, please. I am actually, um, I've just got out of rehab. I'm a heroin addict, and I've been injecting all over my body, and I started injecting into my legs, and I, like, burst all the veins, and now I'm on crutches, and I can't walk, and I'm in constant pain, and I can't get a job because I can't stand up, so I can't earn a living, and I've just got out of rehab, and I just don't know what to do. So Ruth and I said, well, we'd love to pray for you. So we said a really simple prayer in the middle of town, in the name of Jesus, leg pain go, receive your healing, amen. And when I looked up, she was crying and she gave her legs a little jiggle and um, all the pain had completely gone. And we were able to explain to her, you know, what Jesus has done for your legs is just a sign of what he wants to do for your whole life. He loves you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to give you purpose in your life, show you his love, his forgiveness, his hope. And it was amazing to see God touch her life in just that moment. And just like this young woman that we met, Bartimaeus, he couldn't work, he couldn't get a job, he was stuck in a situation, and he had nowhere to turn. So in this account, Jesus and his disciples were on their way to the Passover festival in Jerusalem. And Jericho in the time of Jesus was like a gateway town. It was lying near the southern end of the Jordan Valley, just north of the Dead Sea, and it was like a pass-through place for travelers to Jerusalem, coming either from the east across the Jordan River or from the north from parts of Galilee. And Jericho was one of the oldest cities, and historians say that beggars used to line the city all the way, so as travelers and pilgrims would come through, it was a chance for people to earn a bit of money. And in the Jewish laws, it was considered a really good thing for people to give and take care of those um, and give money to those on the streets, not just because it seems like a good thing to do, but it was considered like good for their faith as well, that they would give to the poor. So this time of there's a festival, there's a Passover, and people are traveling, and um, people, beggars would know this is a key time for me to collect some more money. There was a lot more footfall going through. And you wonder what Bartimaeus has picked up from sitting on the roadside, day in, day out, of people traveling by, the stories he might have heard about Jesus. Because Bartimaeus obviously knew Jesus' reputation, because it says this in the scriptures, when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So the first thing we can learn about Bartimaeus' story is your story is important. 
As far as we know, Bartimaeus had never met Jesus. He was blind, so he wouldn't have seen any of the miracles. I doubt he would have been traveling anywhere, following Jesus, listening to his teaching, you know, watching him feed the 5,000. So how did Bartimaeus know about Jesus? Why is he shouting out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy? I wonder if it's because of other people's stories. You know, imagine him sat there day in, day out, people walking past, talking about the amazing miracles, Jesus' teaching, the rumors of could Jesus be the Messiah? And was it because of those stories that Bartimaeus knew he might get healed, he might encounter the Messiah? He knew that this could be his chance. So he begins to shout to Jesus, son of David. You know, finally the things I've been hearing day in, day in, day out in a hopeless situation. This could be for me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy. A couple of weeks ago, I was in the gym uh, with Rach doing a, a body pump class. And our instructor at the front, halfway through, she dropped her weights and she said, oh, girls, carry on. I'm injured, so I'm going to have to use lighter weights. And she carried on the class, but I could see she was in pain the whole class. So at the end, I went up to her and I said, um, you know, in my church, we pray for people for healing. You know, can I pray for you? She said, Chloe, I've been waiting for you to come up and ask me. A couple of years ago, I went to your church with an ex, and uh, you were all talking about healing, and everyone was praying for healing. And when you walked into the class, I thought, oh, that she might pray for me, and I might get healed. I just love that people know that Jesus still wants to heal them, that they know that they can come to a service or come to us individually and ask. Or another one of my best friends, let's call her Susie, Susie's um, mum, two years ago, in the middle of lockdown, um, went into hospital with COVID and she was on a ventilator and the family were really worried she was going to die. And Susie's sister rang my friend Susie and said, you have to ring Cornerstone, tell Chloe and all those at Cornerstone to pray for mum. A couple of months ago, she prayed for my boyfriend at the gym and he got healed, which I didn't know, he never told me. Um, so you've got to pray for got to get Cornerstone to pray for mum because she might get better. So a few of us prayed and I rang her in the hospital and prayed. And the next day she came out to hospital COVID free. So again, people know Jesus can heal them and they know where to come. And this is what it might have been like for Bartimaeus. He might have heard other people's stories of healing and miracles and that might have given him the faith that that could be his story too. So for us in our lives, with our friends, our family, our colleagues, what an opportunity we have to share Jesus through our stories and stories of others. What Jesus has done in us and through us carries weight and it shows who Jesus is. In academia, since the Enlightenment, like 19th century, um, research has often been based on like facts and figures for something to be true. But in recent years, social scientists are trying to um, make a case for stories to be used as evidence for something to be true. So in my PhD, I studied healing miracles in Wales, and I collected over 600 accounts of people who've been healed. But that, that number seems impressive to us. But in academia, the number itself wouldn't have carried much weight. But what did carry weight was that I had 600 stories of people's own accounts of them being physically healed after receiving prayer. And it's the stories that carry weight that something is happening. And my... Um, supervisor is quite known in the theological academic world and he agreed that the research that I found and all, all your stories was worthy of academic research and is now considered an, a religious phenomenon happening in Wales worthy of academic research. 
And uh, David Maines is a sociologist, and he has written on why stories can be used as evidence of something happening. So this is what he says. Since all socialized humans are storytellers, they are always in a potential storytelling situation. All narratives are potentially rational accounts, and all social science data are already interpreted data. The uninterpreted data doesn't exist. All sociological facts are narrated facts insofar they've been processed through some form of story structure that renders events as factual. So basically what he's saying is stories carry weights. Research used to have to be based on facts and figures that this is true. But now research is looking at stories and what you are saying and thinking actually something is happening because all these people are saying a certain thing. So for us, we know our story is important and people listen to our story and it carries weight. And we know this because 2,000 years later, we're still talking about Bartimaeus' story and the impact that that has on our life. I love when it says um, in verse 52, instantly the man could see and he followed Jesus down the road. And other translations say, immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. So what this is saying is Bartimaeus, he's been healed, and then he gives his life to Jesus and he follows Jesus. That's what the scripture is saying. He then goes on to follow Jesus. And that's why we know of his story, as we said at the start. That's why he's named. That's why we know of him. And I wonder if, you know, how much did he share his story? He was sharing it to his community, his friends, his family. The gospel writers write it down. You know, I wonder if people are a bit fed up of his story. Oh, Bartimaeus, we've heard this one a million times. We know you were blind, now you can see. But let me encourage you. You have a story. From the little things God has done in your life to the big things, they, they are stories that will encourage others, serve them, and show them Jesus. So some practical ways of sharing our story then. Maybe on a Monday morning when people say, how was your weekend? What did you get up to? You can say, oh, well, I went to Beth and Sam's wedding. I celebrated Precious graduation. And I was at church as well. And, um, you know, in the worship, I, all week I've been feeling a bit bogged down. But, you know, Beth, she was leading our worship and said about how God wants to, you know, fill us and take the weight off us. And it really spoke to me and touched me. I really enjoyed that. How about you? How was your weekend? Or, you know, on the weekend, I was with my small group or with the ladies. We went to Founders & Co. Have you been to the new Founders & Co. down Wine Street? Yeah, I went with some of the church girls. Just dropping in about our faith in a really normal way to open up conversations with those around us. You might be around someone who's unwell or in pain and they're letting you know about their pain. And you can say, oh, well... A lady in my church, you know, she got prayed or share one of your own stories and offer to pray for them. Share these day-to-day -day stories because they're powerful and you don't know who they might have an impact on. I went for a walk with Holly. Everyone knows Holly, our student. Lovely Holly. I went for a walk with her this week when it wasn't raining and uh, walking down by the, the, I was going to say 360, by the secret. And um, I said, how was your week, Carl? She said, yeah, it was good. I joined a gym. I said, oh, cool. How, how did it go at the gym? Expecting her to say, yeah, I did a class. It was really good. She said, yeah, it was amazing. I walked in uh, one day and I was starting, you know, training. And this guy walked in looking really like pale and unwell. And so I just went up to him. I said, are you okay? You look really unwell. And he had just smashed his finger in the car door. And it turns out later he like proper smash up his finger and uh, she said oh well I go to a church where we pray for people <laughs> can I pray for you he said oh go on then love so she said oh in the name of Jesus finger pain go amen as she did another guy walked over and said what's going on over here then <laughs> 
to her, well, I'm just praying for him for his finger. I said, oh, can you pray for my back? I've been in agony for weeks. So there's Harley praying for all these guys in the gym. So, wow, that does sound like a good workout, Harley. <laughs> she said, I feel like Julian Richards in the gym praying for all my buddies. <laughs> But I love Hall was just in her everyday, normal life, praying for those when the opportunity came up. One of the stories I collected in my PhD was from Tammy in this church. And um, I love this story, so I'm going to read it to you now. About three years ago, I was giving a friend of mine a lift to work. As she got in the car, I noticed that she was in a lot of pain in her neck and shoulder. She said it had been like that for a couple of days and was painful at work. As we were driving along, I said, would she like me to pray for her? She'd been at a St. David's community service at my church a few days before, where she'd heard some healing stories. She said yes, so I got her to put her hand on where it hurt and prayed a simple prayer like, pain go in Jesus' name. Then I asked if she was happy to pray, please heal me Jesus. When she did, we were stopped at a traffic light. As soon as she prayed, she felt an immediate release in her neck and shoulder, and the, com and the pain completely went. She had all movement back. She was surprised, pleased, and relieved, and I talked about God's love for her. I love that. Tammy just in the car at the traffic lights, praying for healing. You know, Holly in the gym, Tammy in the car, just in your everyday life, when things come up with those around you, let's be ready to pray and offer prayer. Let's go for it and share our story. You know, it might be offering to pray, or it might be just sharing a story of what God has done in your life or what you were up to on the weekend. Let's go for it with when we share our stories, because your story is important. So let's get back to Bartimaeus. So he calls out for Jesus unashamedly, and people around him start to hush him. Be quiet, many people yell at him. I mean, they're yelling. They're not just like tutting and shushing. They are yelling at him to be quiet. Makes me wonder, like, how far away was Jesus? How long was he yelling for before Jesus heard him? The account says, when Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. I wonder if this is Bartimaeus' story, you know, when Jesus finally heard me after shouting and shouting. And uh, Jesus says, tell him to come here. And I love Bartimaeus' response. It says, Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. So this is the second thing we can learn from his story, to go for it. We see in the story that Bartimaeus jumps up. He goes straight to Jesus, leaving his coat. Now, jumping up and leaving his coat, this could have been significant for Bartimaeus. You know, his coat would have been quite important. As a beggar, he might have slept on it to keep it warm. Um, in the days, he might have put, put it in front of him to collect money. That might have been where he collected the coins. You know, he might have had a whole day's earnings in there from people passing by. But the account doesn't say, you know, he picked up his coins and then went to Jesus. No, he threw aside his coat. It could be, you know, a sign of his faith. I'm not going to need this coat anymore. Or it might just be showing Bartimaeus' desperation to meet with Jesus. He's not even concerned about his coins or his coat. Jesus has called him. And in his desire and desperation to meet with Jesus, he jumps up. He casts aside his coat. He thinks of nothing else. He does not want to miss his opportunity to meet with Jesus. It reminds me of the Elijah and Elisha series we did ages ago. You can go back and listen to it online. Anyone remember the Elijah series? So when Elijah calls Elisha, he calls him, and then it says this in Kings 19. So Elisha, he took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and become his servant. 
For Elisha, his plow equipment, the oxen, that was his job. That was his livelihood. And for him, he burns it all. Um, and it was a real practical sign of saying, there's no going back. There's no backup plan. I am going to follow Elijah. And it's the same with Bartimaeus. In his urgency to meet with Jesus, he casts aside his coat and goes all in to meet with Jesus. And this is quite a challenge for me because I often think, you know, how often do we wait for God to act in our lives before we act? You know, if God really wants me to share my faith, I'll wait for them to bring it up. Or if God really wants me to heal this person, I'll wait for that person to say they're in pain. Um, and it challenges me to think, oh, no, I should go for it first and, you know, cast aside the coat and go it all in. Because Jesus has already told us to go and share about him and heal the sick. It says in Matthew 10, verse 8, heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. And this is for us today to offer to pray for healing, not to wait, but to go for it. When Gemma, Gemma and Luke, Gemma had a little baby Chloe. I'm not saying she named it after me, but um, when Gemma first became a Christian, she was a student. She came to our church, and um, I was just about to go and do a 150-mile sponsored walk in the Peak District. So I invited Gemma along with me for a bit of moral support and get to know Gemma a little bit more. This is us before the walk. <laughs> we didn't look like this at the end. Um, so we were on the train going all the way to Sheffield, and Gemma's been in our church literally a couple of weeks. And we get to Sheffield, and I stand up, and we're walking off the train, and I turn to Gem and say, I don't know how I'm going to walk 150 miles. My ankle's in agony, and I don't know what I had done, but I was in pain with my ankle. And straight away, we literally just walked off the train, Gemma drops to the floor, and everyone's like walking around her to try and get um, past. She drops the floor, she puts her hand on my ankle and says, in the name of Jesus, ankle be healed. Amen. I was so shocked. She's only just become a Christian. And it worked. My ankle was completely healed, and we were able to walk the 100 150 miles, still in pain from the amount of blisters, but not with ankle pain. And uh, I love that Gemma just went for it. You know, she was new in our church and in the middle of the train station, dropped to the floor and prayed. So for us, let's be ready to go for it. Let's pray for courage to share our faith. Bartimaeus, he jumped up and went to Jesus. And sometimes we can forget that he was blind because that still would have been really difficult for him. You know, how would he have got to Jesus? Was Jesus far away or was he close? Was he, you know, stumbling his way through the crowd? Did someone lead, did a stranger just lead him there? Did he just, you know, follow Jesus' voice? It would have been difficult for him. It would have been nerve-wracking. It would have been hard. And for us, sharing our faith and offering to pray, it's not always easy and it can be uncomfortable. But look at the end result with Bartimaeus. He met with Jesus, and those around him um, could see the difference in Bartimaeus' life. And for us and people around us, when we like ask Jesus for courage to share our faith and put ourselves out there and say, can I pray for you? You know, it really makes a difference in people's lives. They know that Jesus is real to us and that we want to pray for them, and uh, it shows them who Jesus is. So let's seize the opportunity when it comes. Let's pray for courage even when we're nervous. And for others here, this might be an invitation for you to go for it with your own faith with Jesus. You might know about Jesus, you might believe in him, but you also might feel that you haven't ever fully stepped into a relationship with him. You haven't completely gone for it. 
And Jesus, he went all in for you. He died on the cross to forgive you for all that you've ever done wrong. So that when we turn to Jesus and say, forgive me, I give you my life, I want to live a life after you. He comes into our hearts and he helps us live a life for him. And he transforms us and he gives us a purpose in our life and fills us with joy and peace and helps us in our life. And Jesus went all in for you and he asks you to go all in for you. For him. So if that's you and you're here today and, or you're watching online and you think, oh, I, I've never fully said yes to Jesus. I'm fully gone all in. I'm going to pray now. And if you'd like to you know, say this prayer in your heart or under your breath, you can say it with me now. Jesus, thank you for what you did on the cross for me. Forgive me for everything I've done wrong. I turn to you now. Holy Spirit, come and fill me. Help me to live a life for you. I choose to follow you now. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer, then come find me at the end. It'd be great to chat outside. Or if you're watching online, drop us a little email to our office and it'd be great to connect. Okay, the last thing then that we can learn from Bartimaeus' story, this is to ask Jesus. When Bartimaeus reaches Jesus, Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Now, Jesus knows Bartimaeus is blind, but he's looking for Bartimaeus to voice it, to voice his faith. For Bartimaeus, that he's not coming for money or a position in society or a job, but he's coming to Jesus for healing, and Jesus wants to hear it. And he asks for what he really wants. Bartimaeus says, Jesus, I want to see. And Jesus says, go, your faith has healed you. And instantly the man could see. And we can approach Jesus with what we need. We can ask him. He's not a distant, unkind God who's far away, that we have to strive for his love. He wants to guide us, help us, be with us. That's why he sent his Holy Spirit. And our Father is a good God, that we can approach him and ask him for what we need. And Jesus teaches this to his disciples, which is for us today. It says in Luke 11, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Now, I'm not a father, I'm not a mother, but I am an auntie. And uh, when my nephew asks for ice cream, sweets, chocolate, I mean, look at him. He is getting it. Whatever he wants, <laughs> he's getting it. I, I totally get this passage way more now. I don't care what his parents say. <laughs> he's getting whatever he wants. <laughs> and I feel such a like, little love for my feel such a love for my nephew. But that probably doesn't even compare to what Math and Precious parents feel for him. And that doesn't even compare to what God feels for him. God loves us so much. He is our Father. He loves us. And he says, ask. In my PhD research, there were a few stories that just melted my heart of people asking God for healing. You know, sometimes we might expect miracles to be blind men seeing, you know, blind Bartimaeus. But there's a few stories that I just love that these people ask Jesus. And I, I, I'm going to read one to you now because I love this one. So this is about a lady who had acne. It says this in her own words. When I was 21, I was invited to a faith camp. The bane of my life at the time was my acne, which had seriously afflicted my identity, confidence, relationships, and self-image. My mother also had bad acne and walked with me in this and felt responsible. I tried everything on the market at the time, creams, pills, sun lamps, all to no avail. 
During the ministry, those in more serious, lifelong ailments went forward. I thought my condition was too trivial to go forward, but I felt an inner voice to go for it. I stood at the front of the crowd and was prayed for. I sensed I was healed there and then. After this, I could feel my skin drying up and the texture changing. One day, I was in the garden in bright sunshine with my mother. She saw my skin and remarked it was much better. I plucked up the courage to say I had been healed. From that day forward, I have rarely had a pimple. I was healed. It doesn't sound much, but my faith in God grew. I was so touched to realize he loved me as to cure my acne. He knew my hurt, my distress, my anguish that it caused me for many years of suffering. I'll never forget this early example of healing in my life. How kind is our God that he'd heal a lady of her acne because he knew how much it caused her distress. I love that she went for it with her mum and said, it's because I've been healed. And I love that she went for it. Even though she felt like it was trivial, she approached God knowing that God is a good God and she went forward for prayer. I want to encourage you today, don't hold back asking God for what you need. Whether it's peace in a certain situation, strength, help, guidance, or whether it's a healing need, don't discount yourself. Be a Bartimaeus. Ask Jesus for what you need. So I love this story of Bartimaeus. It's a person who had so little, was in a desperate situation, and he called out to Jesus in anticipation because of other people's stories that he might have heard on the roadside. And it's also an incredible miracle. I mean, he was blind and now he can see. That is amazing. But I love that this account has so much more to it. And what's interesting to me is because of his blindness, Bartimaeus was a beggar. He was disrespected, living rough on the outskirts of society. But I love how Jesus restores his dignity and his honor. Like we said at the start, Bartimaeus means son of honor. And Jesus really restores that, that he lives up to his name. So I love that Jesus meets us. He meets all of us. He sees all of our needs. So what can we learn from this account? Number one, your story is important. No matter how big or small, your story and what Jesus does in your life can point someone else towards him. Number two, don't hold back and go for it. When sharing and asking people for healing, pray for courage. Ask Jesus to help you to have courage to step out. You know, throw your coat aside and go for it. And number three, maybe not today, it is quite a rainy day. Number three, ask Jesus for what you need. He knows you, he loves you, and he wants to meet with you. So to close this morning, I thought we'd um, pray for healing. Anyone with a healing need, we would love to pray for you. And those watching online as well, we'd love to pray for you. So in the week, I was praying for some words of knowledge for healing. And um, I had uh, maybe someone in the room with pain in their shoulder, pain in the hips, pain in the chest, like um, issues with breathing and like a real like tightness in the chest. Um, I thought, considering we're talking about blind Bartimaeus, pray for people with issues with eyes, um, like eye conditions, maybe pain in the eyes, like floating bits in the eyes or continual infections. Um, and also anyone else who has a healing need, then we'd love to pray for you as well. So I'm going to ask you to do a brave thing this morning. And if that's you, and if you would like healing, I'm going to ask you to stand like... Bartimaeus, I threw aside his coat. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front, but I just want to ask you to kind of say, when Bartimaeus said, you know, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. That was him like showing his faith, like Jesus, come and heal me. And for you, I'm going to ask you to stand. Um, you don't have to do anything else. It's embarrassing. And uh, we're 
going to pray for you now. So if you have any pain, we'd love to ask you to stand. Thanks. And also, if you're watching online, please join in as well. So if you maybe want to put a hand where it hurts, if you can, um, and you just pray this simple prayer. Jesus, please heal me now. And Jesus, we speak your healing power into these bodies. We speak to these aches, these pains, and these conditions, and we say, be gone in Jesus' name. Receive your healing now because of the cross, because of what Jesus has done for you. Come, Lord. And if you're on a row with people who have stood for healing and you want to put a hand and, you know, join with them, like join with your brothers and sisters that we are praying for healing, then uh, feel free to do that as well. And if anyone has like a physical ache or pain that you can test it out, if you want to test it out now and see if you've got like a measure of improvement or see how you're feeling, give us a little wave. Oh, great. So Caitlin said she's had really bad chest pain for a month and is completely gone. Praise God. Great. Well, why don't we pray? Jesus, thank you so much for your healing power. Thank you that you've healed Caitlin and for everyone else in the room. I ask that you continue to work in their bodies now. Lord, I pray that you give us the courage to share our stories, to go for it. I pray that we all come across someone who's in pain this week, that we can have an opportunity to share our faith and share about you with them. So bless us and help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.